it up. Travis Dodge, he's in there. Touchdown, FSU. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Talking Chop, the official podcast for FSU students by FSU students. I'm your host, Maxwell Rundy, and I'm excited for this week's episode because I am joined by two wonderful guests. Joining me today is Kylie Brennan, who is not only representing the FSVU, but also the V89 Sports Station that we are currently at. How's that been going for you? How do you like doing both at the same time? I really love doing both. Um, honestly, being able to write and interview athletes weekly while also making some appearances on the radio station and just having fun. Um, it's been a great time. Very busy, but a great time. Absolutely. I get the feeling I used to do it as well. Well, I guess I still do it, but very rarely. As for our other guests on today's episode, I'd like to introduce you all to one of our newest members here at the station, as well as a experienced seminal production worker in Alex Rivero. Alex, you and I were actually on the show together a couple weeks ago. What have you been up to since then? We have been. Um, honestly, just keeping up with Florida State football and all the other Florida State sports, because I know the last time we were on the show together, I was kind of not too faithful in our boys, but they've been doing amazing since then, knock on wood, but I just wanted to keep up the good work and just see what happens for the rest of the season. Absolutely. We'll touch on football very briefly today because, well, like I mentioned last week, this podcast isn't supposed to focus on basketball, football, baseball. I mean, we're going to talk about baseball when baseball comes around because me and Alex here are just massive baseball fans. Even though that's the case, the goal here is to talk about the other sports, the soccer, the volleyball those are going to be the two that at least we focus heavily on today here and that's why we we have you here today kylie you're a big volleyball player are you absolutely uh i have played indoor volleyball pretty much all my life and then uh at florida state i got into beach volleyball because i was kind of done with having to deal with coaches and stuff and said oh hey sand that's fun (laughs) (laughs) that's great so yeah that's a perfect answer i love that but You know what, let's just jump straight into it. We're going to try and hold ourselves back from going too deep into this, but FSU beats Louisville on the road 35-31 to advance to 3-0 despite losing Jordan Travis. So how are we feeling about Tate Rotomaker? That was insane. Because I know the last time I was in that episode. We did not like him. We did not. I was saying that he was a little perfect practice player, but... The Tate I saw at that Louisville game was not the perfect practice player. He went out, and he showed out. I like to say that, honestly, I found some correlations from, you know, NFL Sunday to what we saw on Friday night. You know, you're watching you're watching yeah. the Dallas game, and you see Cooper Rush go in, who basically had the 63% completion rate in the five games in which he played last year, and everyone's kind of doubting him, and he just comes in with a level head. You know, maybe, maybe Tate... Could uh, say the same thing as Gino Smith. We we all wrote him off, and he he didn't write back. So yeah. I think that's kind of what we saw. And he went in level headed, and you can see from the photos from the game, he had Travis's support. You see yeah. Travis on crutches hugging Tate. So yeah. I'm I was pleased with what I saw. I think we were all pretty pleased. Yeah. I don't know if y'all noticed also, but like him walking out on the field, he didn't even seem nervous. He was just like, well, I guess it's just another day in the office. Just vibing, walking in, just strutting in, and he was like, let's let's do this. I will say, initially, I was worried. <laughs> he did not look 
I think he had the nerves to begin with. I think you're right by the end, and when he was launching that ball to Johnny Wilson, who we'll talk to or talk about in a brief second, I think at first, though, he looked like a deer in the headlights. Like, oh, my gosh, really? we're going to blow this game because I'm coming in. <laughs> and he throws that terrible pick, and it's like, I don't know. But oh, FSU funny. turned it around. FSU did turn it around. Rotomaker ended with 109 yards, two TDs, and the one interception, as I previously mentioned. But... Going back to last week's episode, Calvin, who was on the podcast, almost perfectly predicted Treshawn Ward going crazy, rushing for 126 yards on 10 carries, but that's not even all. In addition to him, Trey Benson and Lawrence Toafili also getting in the action, rushing for 90 yards collectively and one TD. What do we think about the rush game really picking it up here in Game 3? I mean, we kind of, we made a, well, I guess uh, Jack made a pretty funny meme that we uh, kind of launched onto the V89 Instagram account and then said, oh, okay, well, we want to keep this for our Twitter of just FSU really having a three-headed monster these days. And, you know, some might say that FSU football came up with that. I believe we did. But, yeah, it's just, it's great to see our receiving game and our running game really actually picking up and not having to rely on... You know, a, do you remember the days with Justin Blackman where it would be a deep overthrow on the first down every single time? Like, not not going into that kind of offense and having more of an explosive on-the-ground offense. I remember to it too on. well. I really do. Those Blackman days were really rough. But speaking of quarterback, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Alex, but we have to somewhat pick up football, no, yeah. which is my fault, honestly. But Jordan Travis came out of that game halfway through and did not return. However, that night, he tweeted out, great news, dot, 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 let's get it. Kylie, I heard you have breaking news for us. Well, so Jordan Travis practiced today. It was, it was limited, but he did practice. So whether that be put him in the BC game to possibly ensure that 16.5 line or let him rest this weekend because BC is one of our you know, weaker Western, opponents yeah. and take on Wake Forest strong the next week. I, I don't know. That's up to Norvell there. I'm not sure either, but I'm going to turn over to you, Alex, to preview this BC game. Well, you know, I'm really excited for this BC game, but I know if we're really talking about this hypothetical right now and Tate's really going to go back in, I'm just hoping that um, QB coaches and Norvell are just kind of making sure that he, um, Tate's still feeling that pressure, sending over the house or those blitzes, just so he kind of feels that pressure what he would feel in a game, and just so that he doesn't really throw it away hypothetically like how he did that first throw. Um, so he just kind of knows what he's doing, you know what I mean? Like just kind of keeping it up and not like just having him sit and like use our putting all of our eggs in one basket necessarily with Travis, just kind of. All the pressure is really going to be on, too. I mean, FSU's 3-0 and for the first time in quite a long time, yeah. and it's a Saturday night game here in Tallahassee. It's going to be beautiful out there. And I heard they've already sold more than 70,000 tickets for this game for Doak Campbell Stadium. That place is going to be rocking as FSU oh, is 16-point yeah. favorites, which I think is pretty surprising with the whole QB issue. What are our predictions for this uh, game this week, though? I'm going to go confident. Regardless of the quarterback, Travis or Tate, a, a really confident 32 to 14. 14 so I love that you say really confident and then say 32 14 because I went way overboard on uh, the radio yesterday. And well, whenever this gets released, it was Monday night. And I, I, I said 38 0 because you know what? I think we're, I think it's a shutout. You know what? I, 
I really want to just full send it into this three. So, that's I like love. an embarrassing shout out. Do I have to believe the things I say, Max? No. I no. mean, I would hope so. <laughs> no, I mean. Well, yes, why but would you? but you know, you know, from a standpoint of a happy FSU fan, three and L, I feel like I need to deliver the hype to our listeners. You know, I there needs to be a cause for us to believe in here, a leading charge. No, I'm, you, I'm willing to be that. We're not biased though. We, as in FSU students now, we as in Seminole fans. Yes. Just had to clarify that for our viewers. Yes. Because we're not biased. Yes, we're, we're not biased. We're never biased. Yes. Okay, moving on. Oh, my prediction. I Bold predictions by both of you, I honestly think. I, I don't think we cover, we as in FSU. I'm going to say FSU 33, Boston College 26. Touchdown difference. Interesting. I, I don't think it'll be a back-and-forth game, though. I think it'll be maybe a garbage-time score mm-hmm. or a dumb pick by Tate at the end. Well, like, a, like a third and ten after rushing the ball, and you just kind of need to get the first down to extend yeah. the clock. They'll just rush it and make mm-hmm. a bad throw. Get us all worried because FSU is so prone to that last-second blow that we were so accustomed to for the first two years. Yeah. I guess the only thing that I'm worried about now is that now they do have this 3-0 under their belt, and they're just going to get too cocky and too confident. They're going to, like, roll into this game. It's going to be another Jacksonville State game. Well, that's why I'm happy that – and psh, you, I might be the only FSU fan you hear say this, but I'm happy that we're not ranked right now. I I oh, don't I'm want it – So happy. I don't want it going to their heads just yet, you know. I – not saying that no, it would, but I just... tell my friends this all the time. Sometimes some of these football players walk around with an Alabama stat attitude when they got Florida State stats. I like that. That's a good sign. That's. You know who can walk around though as a Seminole with their head held high? Tate, because he played very well. Okay, oh. Tate. Yes. <laughs> I think, we, I think so. we got the rock breaker to talk about. <laughs> oh, Johnny Wilson. Absolutely. Yeah. Johnny Wilson had himself a crazy game last week against Louisville. Straight up embarrassed the Cardinals, I would say. I, I lost it here. I think it was 149 yep, receiving 149 yards. 149 yards in... Two TDs? Um, yep. On just seven receptions. That's that's really impressive. That's going deep every time and Tate hitting them. That was the turning point for the yeah. game. He's no the doubt. ACC wide receiver of the week. Oh, look at that. I gotta say, I'm happy that everybody was pleasantly surprised by Johnny Wilson, but I had the opportunity to go with William Haynes, our director over at V89 Sports. I had the opportunity to go with him in Jacksonville to the training camp, and, you know, he was catching balls with triple coverage, and it was just something that was kind of a no-brainer to a lot of us was, yeah, Johnny Wilson's going to be the guy, but a lot of people weren't so sure because he battled the hamstring injury at ASU, and the stats weren't looking great there, but he's showing out now, and that's what we need. I think he's showing out now because I think we're finally giving him the chance that ASU is going to give him. I think the one chance that he got, he messed up his hamstring, and then he was just like a broken toy and back into the box. I think I think the receiving core for Florida State this year is a little overhyped, if I'm being all honest. But seeing this makes me disbelieve myself somewhat because this is a very promising, very incredible night for Johnny Wilson. And I'm going to lie, I didn't know much about this guy heading into this season, but... I'd like to say he's the standout for sure. I mean, no other receiver's really putting up what he's been putting up so far. And I think this is his standout game that will really make him known on a national scale. Mm-hmm. Now, transitioning over to the national champions here at FSU, Seminole soccer team, 
They take on Louisville this week at 7 p.m. A little bit of a revenge game for those Cardinals. Yeah. If they can pull it out, big if there, as Louisville's 4-1-2 and one and two on the year, while the number 12-ranked FSU Seminoles are 5-0-2. And coming off an unbelievable stretch here, a four-game winning streak, where they have held Florida, FGCU, Rice, and Boston College to zero goals. Good. In comparison, Florida State's dropped 21 on them. That's a 5 Goal night, five goal night, five goal night, and a six goal night. That is unbelievable and exactly what we needed to see after FSU had those two demoralizing scoreless ties to start the year. Yeah. I don't know. I think also just kind of going back to Seminole soccer, these freshmen this year did not come to play. They came to dominate. Like Sophia Nguyen, that score against Boston College was just absolutely insane. And it was like, Practically, like, her debut was, like, her second game ever playing collegiate soccer. And to just go in and do that as a freshman, I think is insane. It takes a lot of admiration. I think you kind of put it well here because this Seminole soccer team is really spread out. They're yeah. relying on the team and not so much the individual, which is not always the case in the past. Because, I mean, this is a three-time national championship soccer team here. Yeah. So, of course, the team overall is extremely important. But... This season, I expected them to be a lot more lopsided. Mm -hmm. I expected the the seniors, the six-year seniors, the super seniors, to really come out and carry this team to victory. And that's not really been the case so far. It's been, it's been a lot of helping hands, or I guess in this case, feet. Yeah. Kylie, what, are, what have you been seeing so far with this Seminole soccer team? And do you think they can actually run it back? Well, one of the things that I'd like to note is those two ties that we mentioned. Uh, the first one was scoreless. Yes, that was number 12, South Carolina, ranked number 12. Um, and then the second one came against Auburn, ranked number 16. So one of the things that I feel like we're kind of doing this year is, you know, it's kind of the same instance of Brady going to Tampa and proving that he can do it without Belichick. Now we got Coach Penske. We got a different coach in the house, mm -hmm. you know. And it's really, it's proving, you know, they haven't lost a game yet. Yeah, sure, we got two ties on the book, but they're, they're showing that they can do it and that it's their talent, it's their game, they're playing this season, they're still coming out to win. And I think it's going to be an interesting season to watch for mm -hmm. sure. I think you mentioning them being undefeated is actually especially relevant because they've now won 16 straight games, which is their third longest streak in school history. Think about that. 16 games is not their one, not their two, their third longest streak. This is a program built on success, yeah. and Coach Penske is not going to drop the ball on that. Yeah, because at the end of the day, yes, the coaches are the ones, like, coming up with the plays and so what, but, like, the coach isn't on the field kicking the soccer ball. It's the athletes. And I liked how you um, pointed that out, um, Kylie, that it's not, yes, the coach makes a team, but it's also the team's ability and what, it, what they're able to do on the field that matters more. Coach Penske urged the media earlier this year when I was interviewing him, and he was all about this being the Seminoles team, not, not the team that he was going to come in here and flip the script on. Why exactly. would you do that? This is a championship team. Mm -hmm. Of course, they lost a lot. They did lose a lot this past offseason, and he did not have much time to work with this young up-and-coming team for the most part. Mm -hmm. And yet, here they are. They're still dominating teams, and they got – a Louisville squad coming in here on Thursday night and 
I don't see it going well for them. I can see another four-piece being dropped by the Knolls. Yeah. And m mind you, I meant to say this earlier, this is currently being recorded on Tuesday afternoon. And then this weekend, FSU hosts, once again, the number 24-ranked Clemson Tigers of the ACC. This will be a turning point in the season as FSU starts getting into ACC play. How do you all see this going in the ACC play? Oh, I have no, I have not lowered my expectations at all. Um, I think that I want us to go for a fourth national champion uh, championship because that's what I think we deserve and the ability that we have. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about ACC competition for sure because one of the things that really bugs me a lot is when the SEC is all that is talked about and the SEC is this, the SEC is that over ACC opponents and if you're a believer of that mantra or mentality I think that the evidence is on the wall with how uh, FSU played Florida 5-0, Georgia 3-1 yeah. you know I I have no I have no fear going into number 14 Clemson at all I, I really don't the only two ties like I said that were brought were against number 12 and number 16 so I don't see a loss coming out of that game at all I don't either, and I think FSU is being disrespected as the number 12 team right now. An undefeated reigning champion squad ranked at number 12 is just downright disrespectful in my eyes. Well, they don't like FSU in their rankings. They don't. No. I don't understand it, but, you know, whatever. Apparently we're a football school. Oh, yeah, Since yeah. Since when? I mean, apparently. Well, you know, we like being the underdog. Mm -hmm. That's fine. We'll take that. Yeah, we're not in football. Like, that's just not it either. I mean, it's still football, just two different footballs. Yeah, football. 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 Let's move on to a sport that doesn't involve the phrase football. And this would be your sport, Kylie. Indoor volleyball here at FSU, 8-3 and three in the season as they host Notre Dame Friday night at 6.30 p.m. Notre Dame currently sitting in 14th out of 15 teams in the ACC, while the Knolls are in tie for 7th place. FSU is coming off of not the greatest stretch ever. They did just sweep three-set sweep against UAB, but before that they had consecutive losses to number 15 Florida and number 17 Creighton. Florida swept the Knolls in straight sets, however Creighton put up a good fight and ended up pulling away in the fifth set. What are you seeing from this Seminole volleyball team so far this year and what can we expect? Well, so earlier this season, I got to talk to Corey Lewis and write about her for the paper, and she's really a key player that I've been um, keeping my eye on um, personally because last year she led the team in blocks as a freshman, and interesting fact about her, she committed to Florida State as an eighth grader. No way. Basically already decided that this was her school, these were her roots, she's from Tallahassee, basically bleeds the garnet and gold. So... Very exciting stuff from her, but uh, honestly, like seeing Audrey Koenig uh, leading the team in kills right now, it's it's really just something where volleyball is a very rapid sport. Um, it's very much so dependent upon the energy you're feeling on the court. It's very uh, momentum-based. Uh, the only way that a point is made is if someone makes a mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like other sports where baseball, football, you have this allotted time period and there's things that can happen within this inning. It's one, two, one, two, one, two every single time. So I take losses in volleyball with a grain of salt 
in regards to looking at the rest of the season and how things are going to go because unlike uh, other sports where you catch fire with a certain set of games, yeah. volleyball you either catch fire within those last five stretch points, 20 to 25, or mm -hmm. you don't. I'm glad you brought up Corey Lewis because I went to the UAB versus FSU game this past weekend and it was almost like I was experiencing some sort of like deja vu moment when she had those two kills back to back. It was almost like I saw like the same type of play just happen twice and I was like, did I just watch that twice? Because it was just insane like how she was able to just get up right in there in the net and just like kill it and just bring those points to Seminoles. Well, she definitely, she has agility. <laughs> on yeah. tap and you know when I talked to her she said one of her favorite plays to run was a shoot or a three which is a very very quick set kind of uh, outside the middle blocker but inside on the outside blocker and if you're able to execute that with a great setter which we do have a very seasoned setter um, yeah. on our offense right now there's no defense against that on the middle block for the other side. One thing that I also learned about going to the UAB game this past weekend is that um, apparently our volleyball squad is one of the tallest in the ACC. Apparently our average height is 6'1", compared to these other schools that probably have around 5'11", to 6 foot, or maybe some of the shorter teams are around like 5'10", which is insane to think about, like having a short team averaging around 5'10". Like that's insane <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. I'm standing here at 5'6", and yeah. I think I'm tall, but then I walk past them and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. That's insane, but... So that's a stat nugget that I'm very familiar with because my dream growing up was, oh, I'm going to play volleyball for Florida State, but as you can see, a uh, 5'7 outside hitter, me, is no match for um, a 6'1 average. I'll say this, you and I going to Tolly all the time for our sport management courses, we walk by them a lot, and they are some daunting women on that team that they're are like just... Amazons. I mean, they're literally taller than me. Some yeah. of them are, I mean, I'm standing at 6'3", I'm pretty proud to be 6'3", until yeah. they walk by and I'm like, oh. They're so right. freaking awesome. I yeah. mean, they, they're so cool. And they said some of them have like a standing jump almost close to 8 feet. Oh yeah. That's that insane. I believe for sure. Volleyball is a really fun sport to watch. I'm not going to lie, I don't know much about it. So I want you to tell me what is good and what is bad about this seminal team. Well... Though I haven't had much time on my schedule, like we kind of said, working multiple jobs right now uh, to go and watch, one of the things that's really interesting is this is a very um, young team. We lost some pivotal seniors last year, or FSU lost some uh, pivotal seniors last year, but there was a lot of transfers that came in as well. A very seasoned setter coming into the offense um, as her first year, because we lost um, a senior setter so that was a very big thing um, and generally yeah one of the things the biggest things that Corey mentioned was the way the team just feels like family and I think that that's one of the things to highlight just on FSU culture as a whole it seems like coach Penske coach Norvell um, FSU volleyball and that seems like the common cultivating theme yeah, is I that this that. is a culture change and this is going to be a family and this is how we're running athletics a year from now on. I noticed that because I liked how you mentioned earlier that, like, yes, there can be mistakes throughout the game because that's usually how you lose a point, gain a point. But even in, at the game when I witnessed it and they would mess up, there was no bad blood. You can tell that they weren't upset oh, with each absolutely. other. They were just there and they were willing to just support each other and be like, you'll get the next one, keep going. Kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, Alex, the biggest thing 
in volleyball is having short-term memory. You know, you got to be like Dory from Finding Nemo out there. Like, you can't, you can't think of what just happened because the next play is starting right then. The second, the second you lose the ball, the next team's serving, and that's honestly a tactic that a lot of teams will use is I know whenever I was on that side and let's say like I got blocked and the ball ended up in my hands I would roll that ball so slow to the other side because I was like I'm gonna give myself as much time to get back as possible so it's very very rapid sport and that's what makes it so fun for everyone to watch I'm I'm pretty confident the Seminoles can take it home on Friday night at 6.30 p.m. Advanced to 9-3 on the year, hopefully, but we'll have to wait and see. This Sunday is the true test, and the true test needs fan support. I am not sure if I'm allowed to make a call to action on this podcast, but I am making one here and now because FSU Faithful needs to show up Sunday, 2 p.m., as the Seminoles host the Louisville Cardinals. It's a Cardinal overload here with Seminole Sports right now as they're the number two team in the country, and they look to break the Seminoles' perfect home record. Now, of course, Notre Dame could do that too, but they're not going to do that. They're They're an independent school. They're not good at all. Do you think they ever call their fan sections bird watchers? I bet it's the bird's nest. Bird's nest? I would hope so. Like, do you you ever think that maybe they're like, do you want to go do some bird watching? Yeah, bird watching. I don't know. I don't like that. It's an interesting I just don't like Louisville, period. I wonder if, like, opponents are ever like, it's bird hunting season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it is for Seminoles right now. Volleyball is volleyball is very much so. It's it's difficult to talk about a season as a whole because you really you make plans dependent upon your opponent, and I, and I know that that's a common thing in all sports. But whereas I feel like football might be okay, we're gonna throw to Johnny Wilson because that's what we're perfecting right now. The connection here is what we're doing really well. Volleyball, if you were to pick one like hitter on the court to set over and over and get done then it just becomes repetitive and it becomes predictable you have to do something different every single time and you play to your opponents so for instance if I'm playing a team like Florida that usually has a crazy tall middle blocker I'm not running short little one sets or two sets or back sixes that are quick in the middle I'm sending my middle out for a slide because I know that because that middle is a lot taller she may not move as quickly so I'm pushing my middles out to the sides to try and get a swing there or shoot something faster so it's it's just going to be dependent upon how well the ladies read their upcoming opponent and what they choose to do with that knowledge. I'm just really excited to watch some college volleyball. I mean, we got some good games coming to Tallahassee here soon, and Notre Dame should be a beatdown. I a hope so. beatdown. Friday night, a little pregame, go to the volleyball courts and Tolly Gym. I'm sure they'll let you in. Nobody's going to check. I'm excited, though. I think this is going to be a good good week of uh, FSU sports as we round it down here on Talk and Shop. I'd like to thank both my guest panelists, Kylie Brennan, and Alex Rivero, thank you so much for being on. It was great talking with both of y'all. Um, and I will be back again next week talking more FSU sports. Not sure exactly which ones yet, but hopefully another FSU football victory this weekend, among other sports. Thank you for tuning in and looking forward to it again next week. <laughs>